It is such a joy to be back here at Faith Baptist. Good to have you here on this Sunday morning. And I hope the Lord, as your pastor was just saying, will use these meetings not in just one life, but in every life. And I'm so glad that you're here this morning. And please be in prayer for these meetings, if you would, uh, that God would uh, use these meetings as a big vitamin pill, spiritually health-wise, uh, in your church. Good to see you. Uh, my name is Mike. I'm from Greenville, South Carolina. Flew here yesterday. And my arms are tired from flying, and uh, uh, but it's good good to be here and uh, look forward to fellowshipping with you. I um, want to have you as a congregation, if you would please. In a moment, we're all going to stand and do a verse together that you're going to memorize. And we'll do it every time we're together this week. We'll say the address of the verse before and after the verse. The verse goes like this. Now, the Jews would have sung this. We're not going to sing it. We're just going to recite it like a uh, like a big uh, theatrical choir. And uh, but the verse goes like this: Psalm one nineteen ninety seven. Oh, that's the first word. Oh, may I remind you, Americans, that the word oh is emotional. The writer is excited about the theme of this verse. And the verse goes like this: Oh, how love I thy law! It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119.97. Let me do it again for you. Psalm 119.97. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119.97. Would you do me a favor? Would you say, oh? You ready? Ready? One, two, three. Now say it like I would. One, two, three. There you go. That's what I want. Okay, let's stand together and do it, shall we? And we'll do this every time we're together. And hopefully by the end of Wednesday night, this verse will be deep in your mind, deep in your thought life, deep part part of you. And uh, But let's do it together. Are you ready? Reference before and after the verse. Would you just look at your neighbor and say, this is cool. None of you did it. This is cool. Oh, you people are rough. Okay, here we go. Psalm 119.97. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119.97. You did that so well. Let's do it again for practice. Psalm 119.97. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119.97. And my message this morning is going to be on that theme. But before we sit down, let's have a word of prayer together. Could we please? Heavenly Father. Thank you for the message we've already had through music. Lord, you told us to teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. God, I'm well aware of the fact that for many of us, we've heard the best music we've heard all week this morning. Lord, what a privilege to be able to sing these songs of eternity, these songs about your word, about the truth of your word. Lord, there's nothing greater on the face of this earth than to be able to know the truth and to have it set us free. God, thank you for this congregation this morning. Thank you for the privilege you've given me to stand in front of it. Lord, I don't deserve this. Lord, I'm no better than anybody in this room. But God, thank you for this privilege. Lord, as one great man used to say, I'm nothing more than a dying man standing in front of dying people. But God, I do pray that you would use this message. Lord, please accomplish the purpose for which you have. God, would you help me? Lord, I need help. Would you help me to connect to this congregation, even the young people, the retirees, those in between? 
God, would you help me to connect with them? Lord, would you help them? They need it. God, would you help them to connect to your word, connect to me, as we look together at this infallible, eternal, living, powerful word of God. In Jesus' name I ask it, because I know it's your will. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like you here quickly to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, that's not where we'll be all morning, but we're going to start here. We'll let it be our springboard. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. And uh, I, I just want to dissect the verse just for a few moments and to kind of lay a foundation, lay some groundwork. I'm so glad you're here. May God use this. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. You know, people, it's kind of fun to go through the Bible and look at all the references that have chapter 3, verse 16 as their address. Kind of interesting. And here you've got a very, very significant, very powerful verse that is very much hotly debated, especially by those that are unsaved. But it's a fascinating verse. It tells you about the Word of God. And some of you might find interesting that 2 Timothy is the very last words of the Apostle Paul. He's about to die a martyr's death shortly after writing this letter. And so we're kind of getting him as an old man looking back at his ministry. And would you look carefully at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 where the Bible says, All, you may want to circle that, all Scripture, the word all means every book, all 66, every chapter, every verse, every word, every letter, all scripture is given. Folks, may I remind you that the Bible is a gift. It is a gift from God to you. You are very, very wise if you know what the Bible says and you continually be a student of it. It is a gift from God to you. You didn't write it, I didn't write it, God did. But watch this, he gets very powerful here, reading on. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Would you look at me, please? The word inspiration, people, is kind of a fascinating word. And it kind of means this. Let me me just show you inspiration. It's literally what it means. You are looking at, as you read the Bible, you are looking at God's breath. Where in the world does your breath come from? It comes from way down deep inside you. And people, I'm here to remind you this morning that the word of God comes from way down deep inside God. He wrote it so that you and I can know what he's like. He wrote it so that you and I can know the truth that only he can give. But it is God's breath. Now, folks, let me tell you something about breath. I, um, a number of years ago, I, a number of years ago, uh, started dating a young lady and, and eventually got married. And uh, I became, as well as her, I became a newlywed. And I knew, in fact, whenever I do a marriage, I always make the, I always make the groom, the husband-to-be, memorize 1 Peter 3, 7. This says this. Let every man dwell with his wife according to knowledge, lest his prayers be hindered. There's no doubt that many of you men in this room, your prayers don't get any higher than that ceiling because of the way you treat your wife. The Bible says that I needed to learn about this gift that he had given me. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and favor from the Lord. It was my job as a brand new husband to learn about this little gift, this little five foot two California blonde that God had given me 
for a wife. And I was to live with her, and all you men are required to do this too if you know the Lord. It was my job to learn about her and live with her according to what I learned. Well, I learned very quickly in my marriage, people, that my little wife had a lot of good buttons, but there were some negative buttons. One of the good buttons that I could press in her life was when she would come home, she's a nurse, and when she would come home from work, or, or if I get home from this trip on Thursday, if I say to her, Lori, and, and guys, it's always good to remember her name, uh, Lori, would you like to go out for lunch? Would you like to go out for dinner? Would you like to go out for breakfast? Oh, people, what a great button. When I press that little button, and this has been true now for the 40 years that we've been married, when I press that button, good things happen. Happy wife, happy life. Good things happen. Well, when we were first married, I quickly learned, and this fascinated me, I quickly learned that when we're at a restaurant, she's nothing like me. She loves to try new stuff. She never gets the same thing twice if we go repeat that restaurant. Never gets the same thing. She likes to try. She's experimental. I, on the other hand, am so manlike, and most guys are like this. We find something on that menu we like, don't we, guys? We get it every stupid time we go to that restaurant. Amen. I appreciate that. Well, she would eat something exotic. In fact, my wife loves to ask the waitress or the waiter, what's your favorite dish? And well, ma'am, my uh, favorite dish happens to be the, the fried fish ball, fish eyeballs marinated in frog guts. I mean, my wife will try it. My wife will try it. She is so brave. Well, folks, let me tell you what happened early in my marriage. I would get close to her a little later and I would do this. Ooh, Lori, your breath is bad. And people, it was. She just ate something exotic, and her breath was bad. Bad button. I was just being truthful. I was just being honest. Her breath really was bad. But for some reason, people, that offended her. It takes men a long time to learn a new trick. But I learned after many, many failures, I learned that I never say anything to my little bride about her breath but I've always got something like this in my pocket. And I will say to my little wife, here, Lori, would you like one of these? And she, this doesn't, folks, this doesn't offend her. Saying the same thing, isn't it? But this, this, is, this is what we call tactful. Tactful. Now, my, what, my life got more complicated. God gave me a son. And folks, he had breath in the morning and still does that would knock a moose over at 100 yards. I mean, it is, it is rancid. And I used to say to him when he was little, Drew, honey, your breath is bad. Go brush your teeth. Go chew some gum. Go get a mint. Oh, yes, Daddy. Yes, Daddy. The last time I ever said that to him, he was a teenager. He looked at me eye to eye and said, well, Dad, yours doesn't smell like roses either. I offended him. I offended him. So even in my son's life, I never say anything to him about his breath. But I'll say, here, Drew, would you like one of these? Oh, thanks, Dad. That's tactful. I wonder how many of you here this morning offend God by your attitude towards his breath. Because you you see people, unlike your breath sometimes, unlike my breath a lot of times, his is never offensive. It's always, my friend, exactly what you need. This always shocks teenagers. There's not a single verse in there, young people. There's not a single verse in there, retiree. And all of you in between, there's not a single verse in there that was written to make your life miserable. 
Everything in there is written for your health, for your good, to help you. It's written to you by, by a God that loves you and wants to help you and wants to direct you and, and keep you safe. But we are so good at offending, getting our opinion mixed up in there. You know, Farns, it's kind of interesting. I am holding God's breath. Can I help you with that a little bit? I am told. I am told that if you would like to, and, and I don't know why anybody would want to, Pastor, but if you would like, if you'd like, you can hop on an airplane, like I did yesterday. You can hop on an airplane, and you can fly, this time of year, you can fly to northern Alaska to Fairbanks. And they tell me that when your plane lands, conditions and humidity level can be just right, that when you step out of the fuselage onto the tarmac, and you go... And that little cloud, you know, because it's so cold, that little cloud appears, called your breath, it will freeze instantly with a popping sound like milk on Rice Krispies and will fall to the ground. You're looking down at your breath. For some of you men, it's green and glows in the dark, but you're looking down at your breath. And folks, what I want us to understand here this morning in a, in a very simplistic way That is exactly what this book is. God said, hey, lady, hey, young people, hey, retiree, hey, sir. (sighs) Bible. What is your attitude like towards this book? Oh, we're really good at, oh, (laughs) those parts that talk about his coming again and my going to heaven. Oh, I like those. But those parts that talk about my life and, and the music I listen to and the movies that I watch and the thought life that I have, men, uh, I don't like those parts. Oh, you offend God. God wants you to have, my friend, an attitude of what I call anticipation. You love the Bible. We're having a revival where we're having a service tonight at 6. We're having a service tomorrow night at 7. Who in the right mind would go to something like that? I'll tell you who will. People who don't offend God by their attitude towards his breath. Every one of you that claim to be a Christian ought to be sitting here right now thinking, I want to be here. I want to be here. Can't help it. I'm a believer. Want to be here. That's what God wants. What do you like? I wonder how many of you people, and this is going to be so offensive, But I wonder how many of you are described in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Would you turn there with me, please? We will not be in 2 Timothy again. So get your Bible to 1 Corinthians, if you'd be so kind. 1 Corinthians, that's going to be back in your Bible, forward in your Bible, a number of pages from where we're at currently. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to show you a verse. It's kind of fascinating. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse, but the Bible says, But the natural man, would you look at me? When the Bible uses the word natural, it's talking about you and me remaining the way we were when we were born. When we were born, we were all born sinners. We were all born deserving hell. We were born in sin. We were conceived in sin. We've got a sin nature. All of us here this morning, don't care who you are, don't care how good looking you think you are, you're a sinner. And when you go and when you live, when I live according to what my flesh wants, the Bible says that's very, very natural. Very natural. The Bible says, 
But the natural man, if we can read on, verse 14. But the natural man, the unsaved man, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. That would be the Bible. Receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are congregations. Say the next word out loud, please. Foolishness unto him. Would you look at me? What Paul has just told you, the same guy that wrote 2 Timothy, what Paul has just told you, believer, is that somebody unsaved, we might be talking about people, no doubt, in here this morning, people unsaved will always find this book foolishness. Let me tell you what the word, in fact, let me show you what the word foolishness means. It literally means this. You can't be serious. You mean that book says something about who I date? And <laughs> you get out of here. You mean that book says something about the way I act, the way I work? <laughs> That's stupid. How silly. You mean that book says something about the music I listen to? Get out of here. That is stupid. Ladies and gentlemen, that is always the reaction of an unsaved mind to the Bible. They will always find it a waste of time. And when they get in their little car after church, the first thing you hear out of their mouth is, oh, I couldn't stand that. That was stupid. Can you imagine he talked to us like that? How dumb. I'm not going back there. Ladies and gentlemen, that is always the reaction of a natural man. Paul wants you to know that. Oh, better yet, God wants you to know that. You can tell, lady, you can tell, sir, young people, you can tell whether or not you're a real Christian by your appetite, your attitude towards his breath. That's what Paul's saying. And he's saying anybody unsaved will always find the Bible stupid, a waste of time, irrelevant. Am I describing you? Could I have a little fun with you? I'm doing this with teenagers, but I know adults enjoy it too. And there are some teenagers here. But can I show you something I see all the time? By virtue of my calling, by virtue of my preaching style, if you want to call it that, I get invited a lot to preach to teenagers. I do more to adults, but I do a lot to teenagers. Lots of Christian schools, lots of youth rallies, lots of camps, and I enjoy it. Let me tell you why. Teenagers are kind of fun because they wear what they call their hearts on their sleeves. What that means is they show their emotions more than you old people. You know, everything's still tight. Everything's still fresh. And if they like you, it's easy to tell. Every, every speaker is trying to hone his ability of reading the audience. They say, people, that 90% of what you say never comes out of your mouth. It comes out of your body language. We call it nonverbal communication. I do a lot of preaching to teenagers, and they're really good, whether they know it or not, they're really good at nonverbal communication. They're easy to read. If they don't like you, you can tell. If they do like you, you're funny, I like you. I get that all the time. Yeah, you're funny. You should be a comedian. I like you. They're, they're easy to read. Their parents of whom I'm looking at, and grandparents, 
things have started sagging, getting wrinkly, and you're a little harder to read. Teenagers are kind of a breath of fresh air in some ways to preach to. But I want to show you something here this morning. I want to show you what I always see when I preach to teenagers. I see this sometimes with adults, but not not because you adults have gotten sophisticated and you're good at lying. But let me tell you about teenagers. I I will be preaching at a Christian school, a youth group, a, a, a camp, and I'll be youth rallying, and I'll be preaching away, and I'll see a young lady. She might be down front. She might be in the back. There might be a whole pocket of them right there, a whole pocket of them here. I don't know. They're, they're out there. And she's sitting there, not always, but sometimes, she's, usually, she's sitting there like this. Her legs are crossed just like that. Nothing wrong with that. I don't know why that's comfortable, but it is. And, uh, and, and what this is, while I'm preaching, her foot's doing this. I don't know why women do that, but evidently you, you girls like it. It kind of hurts. But um, she's doing this, and, and, and her arm, not all the time, but usually her arms are like this. And uh, she's always got a wad of something in her mouth, you know, bubblicious, bubble yum. I'm from South Carolina, red man, best chewing tobacco. Anyway, uh, she's got a wad of something in her mouth, and, and, and her eyes are everywhere on the auditorium, except on the preacher. And so while I'm preaching, here she is. Oh, look, a fly. <laughs> oh, look, he's texting. I hope it's to me. <laughs> I see that all the time, people, all the time. And I want all of you to know this morning that that young lady is saying something very loudly and clearly, even though there's nothing coming out of her mouth except for an occasional bubble. She's saying something very loudly and clearly. Boring! Don't want to be here! This is dumb. Waste of time. Can't wait, Baldy, until you're done so I can go out and meet that guy. I, I, I see that all the time. And people, you know what? I never say anything to her. I never call her out. You know why? She can't help it. She can't help it. She's just acting natural. But she's going to split hell wide open. Even though she goes to a Christian school, even though she's a church member, there's no interest there in the Word of God. She's not saved. She's not saved. Now, unless I just pick on young ladies, let me tell you what guys are like, and I so know this because I are one. We guys, when we're bored, we guys, we guys, and teenagers just love this, as you can imagine. We guys have two favorite positions we love when we're bored. Our second most favorite position, not our, not our most, I'll say that to the end, but our second most favorite position, and when we're bored, is we love to put our feet as far apart as we can. We love to rest our elbows on our knees and our head on our hands. And we love to stare at our real estate. My ground. Get away, jerk. My ground. And this is the way we think, girls. This is the way we think, ladies. Really, this is the man mind. Oh, look. There's an ant. I wonder if I spit, if I could hit him. That is such the man mind. Amen, men? Amen? That's how we think. But our favorite, our number one most favorite position when we're bored, here it is. You ready? Oh, and people, I'm sharing this with you because by experience, I can tell you, I see that all the time. All the time. Guy sitting there, I never call him out. I never, I never say anything to him. You know why? 
they're saying something very loudly and clearly. Boring. Don't want to be here. I'd rather be out there playing ball or, or buying burgers or, or meeting babes in that order. Don't want to be here. You know what, folks? I never say anything to him because he can't help it. He can't help it. He's just acting natural. I wonder how many of you I'm describing. This is stupid. The Bible coming on a Monday night to hear preaching? You can't be serious. Well, I, I kind of am to Christians. The people who love the Word of God. Folks, I hope that the next verse I'm going to take you to describes you. But I also hope that you're mature enough and you're adult enough and you're brave enough to recognize this is not me. Let me show it to you. Last verse we'll look at this morning. Second Thessalonians. Would you turn there with? No, excuse me. First. First Thessalonians. Would you look at that with me, please? First Thessalonians. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible. First Thessalonians chapter two. Would you turn there with me, please? First Thessalonians. I'll give you a, I'll give you a moment to find it. It's kind of mixed in there. It's kind of, it's just before second Timothy. Thessalonians is just before Timothy and you had Timothy a little while ago. So you, you should, should kind of know the area. First Thessalonians chapter two. And look with me, if you would, please, at verse number 13. I'm just about done. Hang with me. Don't get excited though, because it's going to take me a half hour to get through this. All right. I'm I'm jesting a little bit. All right, verse 13, you with me? Amen if you're there. All right, good. That's That's a good round one. All right, verse 13, you ready? Here we go. Watch this. Now watch it. Bible says this. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Look at me, please. Paul's talking again. And he's saying, I'm having a party. I'm having a party. Guys, ever watched a football game? Watched a great one last night. Did you watch Jacksonville last night? It was a great game. One of the greatest comebacks in, in NFL history last night. But anyway, let me tell you what I saw last night. I saw a guy score a touchdown. He caught the ball. I mean, he was running just like this. He caught the ball, and he was in the end zone. And you know what he did? He laid the ball down and started crying. Oh, what did I do? I just offended 11 guys who have a different uniform than mine. How thoughtless. I didn't see that. I'm pulling your chain. You know what I did see? I saw that same guy, back to our picture, I saw that same guy run down the field. He caught the ball, was he in the end zone, and you know what he did? He spiked the ball and had his own personal party. Woohoo! That is exactly Bible students what Paul is doing in verse 13. He's going, yes! He's probably in a jail cell, but he's going, yes, yes, woohoo! Yeah, 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 yeah. And by the way, people, the same thing happens in your life when this happens, when this verse happens in your life, your pastor's in his office going, yes, yes, your Sunday school teacher, your husband, your wife, your parents, yes, yes, answer the prayer, yes! Well, folks, what is he so excited about? Well, let's read the rest of the verse, shall we? Watch this. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Woohoo! Why? Because when ye receive the word of God, which ye heard of us. Did you look at me just for a split second? This is free. But the word received does not mean to hear a message. 
The word receive does not mean to have devotions. The word receive means to catch and make it part of your living. It becomes part of you. It has an effect on the way you live, you think, your attitude. That's what the word receive means. Let's read on. When you receive the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it, not as the word of man, not as some man's opinion, but as it is in truth, the word of God is breath. Now watch this, and here's where I'm going, last phrase. Which effectually worketh also in you that are genuine Christians, believers. Ladies and gentlemen, would you look at me, please? It is God's desire, teenager. It is God's desire, sir. Ma'am, it's God's desire in your life for this book to effectually work in you. It's not going to if you're unsaved. Not going to. That only happens in the life of a Christian. You know what this word effectually worketh means? We get our word. Oh, you know what? Let me, I'm, I don't want to talk down to you, but let me show it to you. Have you guys ever seen this? Have you ever seen this? Have you ever seen this? You are looking. Well, let me tell you how it ended up in my trumpet case. A number of years ago, I went to www. Say it. Thank you. You spoke Greek. I went to www.energizer.com, and I got him for $12.95, $50 shipping. You understand how that works, right? And this little guy has been traveling with me now for years. He's got more frequent flyer miles than any of you, I guarantee it. He's been in many, many pulpits, including the pulpit at Bob Jones University. I was preaching back campus for a camp one time, and he got kidnapped and spent a couple nights in the girls' dorms. Never came back the same. But this little guy is fun. Because people, I believe there's no greater icon on TV that describes a Christian better than that guy right there. You know why that is? Because, folks, what do they always say about this guy? What do they always say? He keeps on going. And why does he keep on going? What is the message? What's the subliminal message behind that? They're so hoping, are they, that the next time you need a nose hair trimmer battery and you go to Walmart, your favorite store or Target or whatever, you go in there and you're at the battery counter and and there's Duracell, oh, that's a great battery. There's EverReady, that's a good battery. Ah! The pink bunny battery. I'm so getting that. Now, we laugh. We laugh. But it's worth. That is a billion-dollar media icon. But people, what a picture of those of you in this auditorium, and I believe it's not everybody, but those of you in this auditorium that are genuine believers. You know what happens in your life when you hear preaching, when you meditate on the Word of God, when you read it, when you memorize it? It, say it, energizes. It energizes a believer. And Paul was going, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, those believers over there in Thessalonica, in that very ungodly city, that very worldly city, full of jerks that are living for the flesh, there's a church full of believers where the Word of God is absolutely, effectually energizing in their lives and having an effect on the way they live. 
Am I describing you? Am I really? Probably not. For many of you, probably not. I believe with all my heart that in this particular congregation, I don't know you, you don't know me, but in a typical congregation in America, probably half of you are unsaved. You know how we know that? Because there's just no appetite for the Word of God. You come on Sunday morning to make God happy, and then you do your own thing for the rest of the week. That's not a believer. That's not a believer. Does the Word of God, teenager, does the Word of God, retiree, does the Word of God, people, work in your life? I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care if you're married. I don't care if you've got a college education. I don't care if you're an American. I don't care if you've got a whole gob of money in the bank. What does the Word of God do in your life? What do you like? Way down where nobody can see. Are you worried about what the Bible says? Let me tell you what an effectually working Christian's like. Everywhere they go, everywhere they go, oh, oh, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about the words that are coming out of my mouth right now? What does the Bible say about what I'm listening to the radio on right now? What does the Bible say about what I'm watching on TV? What does the Bible say about where I'm at on Hulu right now? What does the Bible say about where I'm at on the Internet? What does the Bible say about where I am right now on Monday night when there's a revival at my church? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? They got a major Bible on the brain deal going on. People, am I describing you? Could it be? Could it be you're not a believer? Oh, but Mike, wait a minute. Time out, time out. I remember when I was six years old, I prayed a prayer, dear Jesus, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Forgive me of my sins. Please save me. And my pastor dunked me in some water and my mother cried. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Oh, wait a minute, though. But I love the world. I want its agenda. I want its fashion. I want to be like the world. I want to dress like it. I want its music. I want its movies. I want its entertainment. Ooh, time out. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. It's all about people this morning. What is your relation with his breath? That's how you know you're for real. And there's no question in my mind that our churches are full of unsafe people. I was preaching meetings not long ago. A lady in her 70s got saved. I was preaching meetings, and the pastor, I found out, got saved. Folks, I don't know what you're like on the inside. Only you know. But as this message comes to bear on your life, I sure hope that you're courageous You're mature enough to say, "Mm, I need help.